Karma Automotive, Forbes Magazine's most anticipated luxury electric vehicle. Karma Automotive is a luxury EV brand designed and manufactured in California. Proud sponsor and official luxury vehicle of the Las Vegas Raiders. Charge the motion beyond EV. Karma Automotive. The game is over, but we're just getting started. You're listening to The Fifth Quarter, presented by Twitch on the Raiders Podcast Network. Uh, well, Raider Nation, we got a lot to talk about. The silver and black fall on Monday Night Football, 30-29. to 29, And as I said, no shortage of topics to hang out with and, uh, and discuss with our guy Jason Fitz from ESPN. Fitz, let us begin here. Let us just dive in. It seems to be the trendy topic du jour on the Twitter.com. Josh McDaniels' decision to go for two there in the fourth quarter. Where do you stand, good sir? Yeah, I hated it. Um, look, I, I think realistically there's a couple of different ways to look at it number one if you go for two and you get it your defense is still going to have to get a stop right which is the, the whole logic is we're not stopping anybody so we might as well go for two and try and get the win well you're going to need a stop either way but the other part of it that didn't make a lot of sense to me is after you go for two then you kick deep if you're going to go for two and not get it then just onside kick it and take your your luck and see if you can get the ball back quickly you're basically you need to concede the score it worked out that the Raiders got the ball back but I didn't love the strategy and frankly uh, I you know I had a bunch of people texting me by the end of the game uh, that worked for ESPN they were like man how much different is this game right now if the Raiders had a tie game instead of down by one I think it's a fair question now I don't disagree with you Fitz now and we were talking in the bullpen while we were watching the game and and obviously that becomes the topic in in the room right like we're just like everyone else and their buddies on the group chats like do you what are you doing do you like it do you not like it now, if it was me, if it was Coach Eddie, I don't make that call, right? I take the point. I'm always a big fan of take the points, and I know in this analytics world that we live in now, taking the points is not the sexy invoke thing to do. But I understand what Coach McDaniels was doing. I fully understand it. I understand the thought process, and I think he said it perfectly in his post-game presser, which I encourage everyone to check out on Raiders.com, shameless plug alert. And he said, look, we were going into this game to be aggressive. Obviously, it worked in the, in the first half, right? You go up 17-0. He goes, that was the plan. The plan was to play from in front. The plan was to, in our DNA, be aggressive and do what we needed to do to put points on the board. And so, yeah, the situation was kind of funky, and yeah, obviously it didn't work out for the Raiders. But the one thing that I think we're forgetting in this a little bit, Fitz, is Josh Jacobs is running out of his mind at this point in time. He's averaging north of seven yards a carry. You figure, give it to number 28, let him go to work, let him give us that as small of it is, that tiny buffer, and then hope that your defense can hold up. Now, like I said, if it's me, I'd probably take the point. But all the same, I understand the rationale that Coach McDaniels and his staff were going through in the heat of the moment in that, uh, in that fourth quarter there. I think, though, to your point, knowing that Josh is running the ball that well, if you're going to hand it off, hand it off. And I know that's sure. what they no, did fair, yeah. shotgun. But to me, like, I, I feel like the play call was a little rushed in. Everything was a little haphazard, as happens so often on these two-point conversion plays across the NFL, not just for the Raiders. I feel like everybody has this glorious idea, but then it takes too long to get set. The play call's late coming in. Nobody knows what they're doing. The offensive line doesn't look set. Like, I thought an offensive line that run block didn't really particularly well in this game didn't really have a great opportunity to get set and run a play. So I, I didn't love a million different aspects of it. Now, again, it doesn't haunt Eddie. I can't say this loud enough. The Raiders are one in four. And in each of their four losses, the high powered, 
high-dollar offenses had the ball in their hands with the chance to win or tie the game in every single one of them and hasn't been able to get it done. So going for two didn't cost the Raiders this game. It was just another straw to help break the camel's back. So let me ask you this, and I think you had a great tweet, Fitz, and I'll pull it up here real quick, but it was essentially along the lines of the Raiders won so many one-score games a year ago, right? And the one-score game gods have not been in their favor in 2022. So my question to you before we get back to the game, when we look at that kind of in a macro sense, is that more the Raiders now coming back to the the law of averages statistically, or is there just something different, funky in the mojo or lack thereof of this mojo in 2022? Like, what do you think it is? I think it's a combo of both because this is why, like, Bill Barnwell, the analytics guy at ESPN, always thinks the Raiders are going to take a step back and Raiders fans hate it every year. Last year, they won seven games on a walk-off. That was a new record in the NFL. It had never happened that way before. Last year's team just seemed to be kissed by the football gods. This year's team seems to not be kissed. But then you also have to look at the entire game and, and think about even the first score of the game for the Raiders. A, a great aggressive play call. You mentioned aggressive earlier. Fourth and two, it's a deep ball to Devontae Adams that's a little underthrown. Uh, think about it at the end of the game where Devontae isn't able to come down with the catch with two feet in bounds. The ball was a little out and Devontae's route was a little out. Like everything's a little off sync still with this offense. And I know one in four were five weeks in going into the bye week. How do you get it right? But when everything's a little off sync and you are playing in games that are as tight as the Raiders are playing in, those little plays make huge differences. Look at this is one of those. And, and every year as a Raiders fan, I've had to deal with this. There's there are certain games that you look at and say, how the heck did we lose that game? This is going to be one of those that will sit in your minds for the rest of the year. And now the Raiders become, I believe, I'll have to double check it, the first team in NFL history to blow two 17-point leads in the first five weeks of the season. I mean, you just, you see, you know, we're watching Sports Center after the game. You see, this is the biggest, the most impressive comeback of Pat Mahomes' career, which I found pretty remarkable. I feel like he does this like once, once every month, right? Where he has, they go down early and he throws seven touchdowns in the second half, whatever. But I, I think for me, Fitz, when I, when I look back at the game, and I think you said it perfectly, it just, the offense felt just a little, like that court, maybe not even a quarter turn, maybe like a tenth of a turn just off, right? One man who was not off at all today and really hasn't been off for the entirety of 2022 is Josh Jacobs. And I think that when you look at and if we go back to that final series here, so the Raiders get the ball back, 229 on the clock fits. They need it to muster up one point, a single point, right? Field goal wins the game. The cash money man, he gets his chance. He's going to send us all home happy. I was a little... And I, look, I'm not here to question play calling. Like, that's not my deal. I've been, I've been very open and honest about that. Like, I'm not an X's and O's guy. But to me, let the guy who's averaging seven yards a carry, let him go to work, right? Like, I feel like you don't have to make this overly complicated. And then you put yourselves in, in that fourth, fourth down situation where you see Hunter and Devontae run into each other. I, I was sitting with a couple of guys at our X's and O's guys. And one of them said immediately as I was watching the game, why is it you'll let your running back do the work from the 10-yard line with two minutes left, but you won't let him do the work from midfield with 40 seconds left? And that's, I think, an oversimplification in some ways, but I also think it's real. You know, there is just a moment of feed the hot hand. We, we think about this all the time from a receiver standpoint. Josh Jacobs was the hot hand. And this offensive line, for all the questioning we have on the different pairings we get every stinking week, this offensive line felt very comfortable snapping forward for three, four yards here, four or five yards there. I, there is so much to question about the fact that once you got to midfield, all you have to think about is where is good range for one of the best kickers in the NFL? And I, I, I think 
There's a moment where the Ravens said after they won in Baltimore, I think it was Lamar Jackson that said, we have two victory formations. One is the actual victory formation, and the other is, is our kicker coming out to kick, right? And there is a moment of Daniel Carlson has, I think, earned the benefit of the doubt to say, hey, let's just keep things in the middle of the field, get ourselves in a situation where even a long field goal gives us a chance to win. Instead, they get sneaky aggressive at a time that, there was too much to lose. There, there was so little to gain in being aggressive as they were with third and one and then fourth and one. I didn't like the play calls on either of them. Yeah, and I think that it's such a fine line, right? And this is not the Raiders are not, you know, unique in this. It's such a fine line with that aggression because we saw it in the first quarter, right? Where McDaniel says, blanket, we're gonna go deep on fourth and fourth and whatever. It's fourth and two, right? And and it works perfectly. Now, obviously, the situation is completely different at the end of the game as as compared to that first or second series of the uh, of the game. But like all the same, it's such a delicate dance to do. And I do not envy any of these coaches that have to make those calls on the spur of the moment. Yeah, and I, I think it's the hard part about aggressiveness is when it works, it wins you games, and when it doesn't work, it loses you games. And the minute you decide to be aggressive. You have to just be able to take whatever comes with it. And there's been every indication that Josh McDaniels is comfortable taking that. Whatever comes with it, he's comfortable. But you're a thousand percent right. I mean, I was one that sat there yelling and screaming at the Chargers for their decision to go for it at fourth and two at midfield. Uh, the Browns turn around and miss a field goal, right? And so it doesn't hurt the Chargers. And Staley comes out and defends the aggressiveness. This is the same situation. We live in a world where analytics give coaches a really good concept of what to do. Now, analytics may not have a feel for the game or the, the on-field situation, but analytics are still something that we trust. So, you know, at some point, coaches have to decide a little bit for everyone in Vegas. Like, certain people always hit on 16 on blackjack. Certain people don't, right? And once you take your line in the sand on that, that is your line in the sand, I think what we saw tonight was that, to your point, McDaniels came out with a, an intent for aggressiveness. And when that's your intent, I don't know how you turn that mind switch uh, late in the fourth quarter, or if you should even, maybe it doesn't send the right message. But certainly you're going to look back and say, yeah, but to a lot of plays in this game. Yeah, but I, to your point, Fitz, like, I'm okay with that mindset of aggression, right? I mean, the Chiefs have been a thorn in the side of this team for how many years now, right? And I appreciate Josh com coming out literally at, you know, at the end of a really tough night and saying, look, this was the plan. The plan was to put points up, to be aggressive, and like we said earlier, at the first, you know, it worked to begin with. I mean, the Raiders hop out to a 17-0 lead. Now, the fact that they squandered that lead is obviously a, another, you know, it's another topic of conversation. But all the same, like, if you're going against Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey, who, my God, it's always Travis Kelsey, isn't it, Fitz? It is always Travis Kelsey. Mm -hmm. But all the same. Like, if you're going to go out and you want to go toe-to-toe -to -toe with these guys in one of the hardest places to play in all of professional sports, that place is jumping. Arrowhead is gnarly. It is wild. And it has the ability to suck the energy out of you. It has the ability to be a legitimate 12th man and make things, make things really, really difficult. You're walking in there and you say, hey, we know what we have to do and we got to put up points. I don't think you need to turn off that, that button. I don't, need to, I don't think you need to flip that switch regardless of game situation. Now, certainly today, or tonight, I should say, the end result of it didn't go the way of the silver and black. But I think philosophically for Josh McDaniels in his first year as the Raiders head coach, setting the tone of this is who we want to be against one of our fiercest and best division rivals, I'm all for it. I think you have to look at so many of the things that went right and wrong in this game to figure out who the Raiders are, right? Like I'll look at the defensive game plan and you just mentioned Kelsey. I rewatched immediately a couple of those touchdowns while I was on ESPN campus. And the first touchdown, I think it was Marion that got uh, sort of got beat around the back of the end zone. He was in the right spot. 
just couldn't make the play. And the the route that turned in, it sort of looked like a pick. Uh, Perryman was in the right spot, couldn't make a play. And, you know, there is just a moment where the concept of, guys, we need to shut down Kelsey sounds great in a film room, and it sounds great in the conversation, just like the Chiefs had a plan to shut down Devontae, and he can still catch a 48-yard touchdown over two different guys. You have to look at some point and say, Kelsey, tonight, above and beyond whatever the defensive game plan was, I thought Kelsey flat-out outplayed what the expectation was, even though he only had a few catches and small yardage, the touchdowns in short yardage situation, the Raiders were there and just couldn't make a play. I mean, we can want it all day, but you got to have the guy step up and make the plays. And, and tonight, the better of the matchup was every time was Travis Kelsey. I don't I don't think there's anything the coaches could have done differently. That was just great players making great plays. How's this for a line, though, Fitz? Uh, Travis Kelsey finishes his night, his Monday night, Seven catches for 25 yards and four touchdowns. Bizarre. Bizarre. Unreal. His longest reception His longest reception of the night was eight yards. And then you talked about Devontae, too, and having the ability to make the most of his opportunities. Devontae calls in three catches, 124 yards, two touchdowns. So you're looking at an average reception. For Kelsey, it's 3.6. For Devontae, it's, uh, it's damn near 41 and a half. So, I mean, two guys, two elite playmakers doing what they do, just doing it in very different ways tonight. Well, and, and in both of those uh, in both of those huge, long touchdowns to Adams, what'd you have? You had Carr running around trying to make a play yeah. and making really beautiful, like, flick-of-the-wrist passes. You know, we, we saw some really nice moments from Derek Carr tonight, with, also with the sort of backhanded, oh, my God, I can't believe he threw that ball in it. Uh, gets completed to the back that gets a few extra yards out of it. Like there were just enough moments from the offense that really the explosiveness was on display. The problem was, and this is always the, the the problem I think we feel as fans that have watched for the last couple of years is that there are just times where one drive not going right sets everything the wrong way. And this was a 20 to 10 game. that was 20 to 17 and then you had a bad penalty on the offensive side of the ball. That was a problem. Yeah. Put you in bad down and distance. Now, all of a sudden, you're having a hard time keeping it up. And before you know it, you're trailing. And it's 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 that simple when you're playing somebody like Mahomes that can score 14 points in you know the blink of an eye. Yeah, and I think that's that's the big thing, right, is even when the Raiders are up 17-0, I, I'm sure you had the same feeling that we did here in HQ where it's like, okay, that's great. That's, that's not enough. That's not nearly enough. And, and like, the, like I said, I think it goes back to Josh's mindset of understanding that 17 isn't going to be enough. You're going to have to be aggressive. And to your point, though, you have one or two kind of off series. You have one or two things that don't exactly go your way, and it throws you completely off schedule. And through all of that, you know, you have a missed field goal. You have the, the bizarro holding penalty. You have a few. You get really lucky with the, the roughing the passer, air quotes, penalty. I mean, it was just... I feel like it's always weird when the Raiders and Chiefs get together, particularly on primetime, and tonight was no exception to that rule, not at all. Yeah, I mean, the roughing the passer moment, uh, I, I I laughed when I saw the hit and thought, well, let's just get a roughing the passer penalty. We have to understand the league is cracking down. I think they got that call wrong, uh, but I don't think there's a real answer for it. And for everyone that yells and screams about it, I will loudly say uh, quarterbacks get ratings. And in fact, if you watch ESPN, what do we spend 95% of our time talking about? We don't break down which offensive lineman's having the best week. We break down the quarterbacks. Every, I mean, look at the Cowboys and the way we've overcovered everything that Cooper Rush does, like he's the second coming, right? So quarterbacks are what drive ratings. The quarterbacks will always be protected. The NFL is not going to change that. So 
fans, I think we all have to deal with the fact that some weeks you're going to get that call. Some weeks that call is going to be against you. The one that really blew my mind was the defensive holding on a field goal just because I, I don't think I've ever seen it. I, I sat there and thought, you've got to be kidding me. And I saw the replay afterwards and thought, well, I guess, but like, what was the point and purpose? I mean, not only uh, the call, I guess, was right, but I'm also looking at, at Koontz and saying, why would you put yourself in that situation? Like, those are the moments that guys that are trying to get more playing time have to play really smart, really efficient football, especially for Josh McDaniels if they want to stay on the field. That was a regrettable moment by a player that's trying to get more opportunity and make a play. And unfortunately, when you follow, when you take that line, that step, it only hurts the team and it hurts the player that's trying to get more opportunities. Yeah, and I know like so many people are going to make a, a huge deal about the roughing the passer, about this, about that. I, I mean, it's it puts everyone in a tough spot, right? I can I can see it from both sides, and I know that's such a coward's way outfits, but I, I understand what the refs are doing. You want to keep the players safe, you know. You know, foot. You know, player safety should be the utmost priority, and I, I hope that it is of the utmost priority going forward. The other side of it is. You're playing football, right? And I think Joe Burrow had a great quote about this the other night. We said, look, you kind of know what you signed up for, right, in some sense. And, look, I'm not here to condone, like, hey, you know you're going to sign up to have X, Y, and Z happen to you. Like, I don't think that's what, what Joe was going for. But he's saying this is a contact sport. This is an aggressive sport played by some of the best, most premier athletes in the world. Things are going to happen. And so it, it's such a fine dance to kind of do and find where that, that perfect kind of in-between is. And you, everyone's talked about the Tom Brady call from yesterday and obviously the Derek call tonight. And, and I think that if you're the NFL, you just have to be happy that, well, in this case anyways, that that call ultimately didn't end up being the deciding factor in this game. Yeah, and that's a huge point, Eddie, when you talk about the timing of these calls. Like, I just think unless we're talking about a Hail Mary that's missed on the last play, uh, the 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 game of football is about missed opportunities, whether it's by players, whether it's by officials, like missed calls are going to happen. Uh, I, I can't say it loud enough, at least in my life at ESPN, I've talked to several former officials. None of them have ever given any sort of support to the theory that officials are pro or anti anybody. Like I just, I think we have to understand that sometimes calls happen and it's that simple and the game that it didn't impact the game it wasn't the last play of the game uh, but the nfl does need to take a look at it and get it fixed yeah 100 percent right and i think that this is one of those i feel like the league has a little bolt you know a little checklist every offseason of what are the things that we're going to address this offseason i feel like this kind of roughing the passer the player safety yeah. you know ness of it all is going to be at the top of that list but fits one thing that i did want to bring up because i i feel like it is going to get kind of lost in everything that happened tonight is our close personal friend Max Crosby is playing out of his mind right now, playing out of his mind. And look, I understand that is not the you know the the trendy thing to talk about when the Raiders have lost uh, another game and are now sitting at one and four, looking up at the rest of the division going into the bye. But can we just take a second to give Mad Max his due because this dude is doing everything and more that he's being asked to do on that defensive line right now? Unblockable. I mean, uh, when they put out the list of defensive MVPs, he's got to be on the list, right? There, there's defensive player of the year list. He's got to be on it. Uh, he's he's playing absolutely lights out. And it was amazing how many times tonight they were triple teaming him. I mean, just literally triple teaming him with the, with the running back coming out to the one side and then interior line play helping on the other side. They were doing everything they could. And Chandler Jones, who you and I were, were tough on uh, on the last show, Chandler Jones had some disruptive plays as a result. So, you know, Max is, is playing at a completely different level right now, even than he played last year. And it's incredible to see someone that's just got 
the bag that comes out and just it seems like wants it even more. So for every rightful reason that Max could be uh, distracted too, given the fact that, you know, he's about to be a dad, none of that seemed to play any part of it. And he came out and just played just another dominant, unblockable game. It's watching him play is one of those like we all need to sit down, shut up and enjoy it because watching him play is a delight. Yeah. I I look. At the time of this recording, it's possible that Max could be a father right now. We don't know. It's very possible. I mean, I I hope Crazy. I hope for his Crazy. sake that he gets he gets back here to Vegas and is able to to have that special moment with the fiance. But I mean, to your point, I mean, the guy is just, you know, what we're seeing right now from Max and really what we've seen since the start of the year is one of those moments where you just got to sit back and you got to say, look, I know the Raiders lost today. It sucks. We're going to be bummed out. It's going to be a long time until the Texans come to town. We're all going to wear this. I get that. But let's appreciate what this guy is doing because, you know, this does not happen all the time. It, and it kind of reminds me of, like, you know, when you see Steph Curry completely in the zone, Clay Thompson, who doesn't need to dribble the ball and just is nine for nine from, from long distance. You're like, look, regardless of what happens in this game, this is a very special moment that we're living in. You know, you see the guys that have the save streaks in baseball. It's, it's one of those type of deals, fits where sit back, relax, Try to appreciate it tomorrow. Let maybe maybe wear the L tonight a little bit, Raider Nation. I, I get it. Maybe be in your feelings a little bit, but go back tomorrow, watch his cut up, watch the highlight tape that will end up on Raiders.com, I promise you, and just say, look, this dude is everything that is right and good about being a Las Vegas Raider. It's also a moment to watch somebody that continues to develop. I think one of the things that really stands out to me about Max is in the beginning, he was known for just being a motor guy, right? Like mm-hmm. energy, energy, energy. He can get around anybody. He's got this quick first step. And I thought they did a nice job tonight on the Monday Night Football broadcast of also showing you some of his other moves and some of the things he's really developed in his game. The fact that he can power rush somebody and then he's got a beautiful spin move. And at the same time, he can step around the edge. And oh, by the way, one of the knocks supposedly going into last season was that he never stayed in spot to, to stop the run. And now you look at his tackles for loss against running backs and the numbers are through the roof. Like, Leading the Max league in, in tackles for loss, yeah. He is an absolute disruptor. And when we talk about, like, by the end of this year, Max Crosby's contract is going to look outdated. He's having such a huge deal or a huge year, which is incredible to say for somebody that just got paid. I, I just He's a building block for this franchise for the next decade. It's it's incredible. Yeah, complete cosign to everything you said, Fitz. And, you know, like I said, it's such a cliche, but – couldn't be a better dude, right? Like, I know Max has been so good to you. He's been so good to me. Uh, really been so good to everyone in this organization, in our department in particular. Like, he's just a good dude who's playing an, ins- an insane brand of football right now that unfortunately will probably be lost a little bit because of the early start for the 2022 Las Vegas Raiders. But, Fitz, on our way out, because I think we do have to kind of just acknowledge where things are now in, in the state of, uh, or I should say in the phase of the season that we're at, Raiders are going to enjoy the bye now. Right? I don't know how much enjoying will occur since the team is currently 1-4, and four, but all the same, the Raiders are going to have a chance now to reflect, to get healthy, most importantly, because you look at that defense during this game, a lot of dudes came out this one a little nicked up. Uh, Darren Waller missed, uh, I would say, almost 90, we'll have to look at the snap counts, I would say 90-plus percent of this game. But we have a chance now to sit back, reflect, look back at this first five games, and then really see what, what's going to be in store for this team after the bye. The next game for your Las Vegas Raiders is on October 23rd, which feels like a lifetime from now. But what do you need to see, Fitz, over the next 13 days, 14 days, 21 days after this team plays a game? 
What do we need to see from the Raiders to feel good about, you know, kind of going into, I don't want to say this home stretch, but really the meat of this schedule? I think better rhythm offensively. Um, defensively, I think this team has played actually pretty well. I would agree. For the most part, I would love to see them get more healthy. They can get more healthy. They can get more guys in the rotation. But I think defensively, they've played pretty well. Um, offensively, nothing's been as easy as we anticipated that it would be. And, you know, we've seen some underthrows. We've seen some overthrows. We've seen some routes, obviously, the fourth down route today that everybody's yelling about. I mean, that's two guys running into each other. At any time you have Hunter Renfro running into Devontae Adams, something went wrong, right? You know, like even, even the fact that they were in that close of proximity, something went wrong. I feel like this team needs time and, and like, like good barbecue, they need a little time to come together. And, and right now that hasn't happened. My guess is that Vegas will have them as a favorite for five of the next six games. This is a team that last year lost five of six games and still made the playoffs. I think the, the playoffs are still out there for this football team. They've got to fix everything and they got to fix it now. So what, what number one, I think you've got to see is an offense that can come out with better crispness and better rhythm from the outset when they have rhythm, they're unstoppable. When they don't, it just all looks unnecessarily difficult. So how you fix that in a short amount of time is, you know, you, you try and get some reps, you try and get some more time together, and you hope that that break actually turns out to be a time where you can get a little bit of the rhythm you didn't get throughout the first month of the season. This will be a massive fail and a massive loss if the Raiders season goes to you-know-what. But in the meantime, I'm not, I don't think anybody in that locker room is going to call it that way right now. They've still got a lot to fight for, and the AFC still is wide open. Yeah, and, and look, I'm not a big – I was talking about this on the way in. I was like, I'm not a big sky-is-falling kind of guy in general. Like, I, I think that the term must-win game is, is the most overused game – or overused phrase in all of sports. But it's time for the Raiders to start, start winning some games, right? But to your point, you look at the schedule now, Fitz. So you come back home. You got the Texans week seven. Then you go back-to-back -back road games, Saints, Jags, and then you come back home and take on the Colts. So just looking at the next four, the next quarter of the season. Winnable games, Right. Winnable games. And the Raiders, for everything that has happened good, everything that has happened not so good, they have been in every single game that they have played. Now, have they been able to take advantage, full advantage of those opportunities? Certainly not. That's why they're 1-4. and four. But the point is this. If they are able to get that time on task together, we hear that phrase from Derek Carr all the time. If they're able to, to your point, get a little cooking, put the ribs in the smoker for a few hours, Fitz, get that beautiful crust on that tri-tip that I know we all love, there is a chance coming up for them to, I don't even want to talk about the playoffs, right? I think that's what I think, a, a common misconception. I think it's something that, uh, you know, people are going to talk about for this team. And I think it's, it's not the time to talk about it. Let's just start stacking wins and see, see what happens. And I think you're entering a portion of the season where if you can get it figured out, if you can get those little, that dial turned ever so slightly, you can start stacking W's. And it doesn't any, do any good if you and I are talking about it. The guys are going to have to go out there and play a full 60 minutes. But you are entering that portion of the program where you can do it. So what I would like to see over the next month, Fitz, I would like to see a bit of a refined identity on offense. And I think that we're getting that a little bit. I think you look at Josh Jacobs the past, you know, the past two weeks, back-to-back -back career highs. Let me say it again, back-to-back -back career highs. This offensive line, for all that we've talked about over the past six months, is starting to come together. We are starting to see what they can do really well and really effectively. They can run the ball. So let's see a little bit more of that. Let's give Derek time to work off Devontae. Let's get Darren Waller in the mix. We saw the return of Hunter Renfro a little bit tonight. We're starting to figure it out. We're starting to see that identity. But we got to see it a lot more over the next month if this team wants to make any noise over the latter part of the season.
I love Mac Hollins and I love the story, but if Mac Hollins is your main story after every game, you're not winning the way we need to. And you make a great point, by the way, stacking wins together. Let's let's all like my, my message to Raider nation would be like, hold off until midseason. Let's see where we are at midseason. And if we're within a game of 500 at, at midseason, all hope is not lost. It's going to take some work to get there, but I also still believe in many of the like I still believe in the guys we've talked about Max and and Hobbs and uh, Devonte and Hunter and Darren Waller and Josh Jacobs and Derek Carr and I mean the list goes up up and up and down like there are there are playoff caliber starters all across this roster I still believe in them they just got to put it together it's just going to take a second and and one more thing before we let you go because you have been you're we got you up late on a school night Fitz we got you on East Coast time oh, but come it's on late. I'm not yeah. And so it's almost, yeah, it's, it's late, but it's worth it with that. Like, this is Eddie and I, Netflix it's, and chill. Let's exactly. Go. It is approaching my bedtime. But uh, I will say this. One thing <laughs> that I feel like we haven't talked about enough is that this big, bad AFC West doesn't seem as daunting as it did a month ago, right? And, and at one in four, if if you had seen the way that if, – if we had seen what we thought we were going to see from the other three teams and the Raiders were sitting at one and four, you're like, oh, boy, like this could be a long go. But the Broncos – I've looked pretty pedestrian. Uh, the Chargers are chargering. Uh, and you just went toe-to-toe with the defending champs, the division champs. So all is not lost. Uh, I think that it's important that we kind of take this moment. We understand that this is not the best moment for the Silver and Black. The Raiders are 1-4. But you do have a chance now, fit to kind of re- reset the mechanism a little bit and figure out, hey, who are we going to be? And I think that your your suggestion of, hey, let's really reevaluate this thing in earnest at the midway point, I think is is incredibly wise. Because even if the Raiders were to win their next two games, right, and everyone is living high and life is good, the flowers are blooming again, like, let's relax, let's get to the halfway point and then really start assessing what this team is, what they do well, and what they need to do to make a run. I also would say that, like, I feel like I've been fair on this on both sides of it. Like on on radio, I've constantly said, I don't care that the Giants are four and one. They don't look like a great football team. Uh, The Jets are sitting at three and two and they just got to win over the Dolphins with the quarterback that most of us didn't even know was in the NFL. Right. So, like, you start thinking about the hows and the whys of how you win and lose games. It matters. And I'll take some of the college football mindset, like the eye test matters. The eye test tells me that. This football team has been competitive despite itself at times in every one of the first five games. So the question is, how do you turn some of those into wins? I'm not a big believer in the thought of having to learn how to win when you're in the NFL. I think guys already know how to win. You just got to string them together. And with that comes a little momentum and a little confidence. Say yet again tonight, we're on the cusp of being able to get that done. Uh, I, I would argue they were two or three plays away from getting a win over the Chiefs in Arrowhead. So you got to find a way through this uh, through this buy to self scout and figure out how to get more creative so that you can get those two or three plays to fall your way. Because four times now you've been two or three plays away from getting a win. One guy who does know how to win, though, our guy Jason Fitz, making me feel a little bit better. Fitz, obviously things are not. Look at uh, that. Yeah, I mean, obviously you know you're one and four. You got to acknowledge the one and four. And we were talking about it. There's a big difference between one and four. And two and three, right? If the Raiders were able to pull this off, you have all the momentum in the world, back-to-back wins. You, you knocked off two division uh, division foes, and now you get a chance to get healthy over the bye. That's not where the Raiders are right now, right? You are what you earn in this league. The Raiders are one and four. But all the same, hope is not lost. We still believe uh, we will recheck up with this team and at the midway point and, and kind of see where things lay, lay at that point. But all the same now. 
time to uh, time to relax, reset, and uh, and get ready for the Texans in uh, in gosh, 13 days. So, Freddie Pascal, my man Jason Fitz, who's hung out with us late, late, late into the evening East Coast time. We thank him, thank him, thank him. Uh, my man Al, who's making sure that everything's operational, and Alexandra back in the control room. We thank you guys for staying up late with us. I wish we were staying up late and celebrating, but. This is where we are, and we will see you guys in two weeks, just under, for our next edition of the fifth quarter. Thank you for listening to the fifth quarter, presented by Twitch. Make sure to download the Raiders mobile app, and we'll see you next week. The Las Vegas Raiders have partnered with the global lifestyle app True Connect to give the gift of wellness. Transform your mind, body, and soul through thousands of hours of premium fitness content, guided meditations, progress tracking, and more. Visit tcfree.fit to redeem one free year of True Connect exclusively for Raider Nation.